Hello and welcome to the second podcast for the Northeast Organic Discussion Group. I'm here at Knock Farm with uh, Roger Polson, who farms here, and Lorna McPherson, who's a dairy specialist with SAC, and she's talking about nutrition today. Uh, Roger, do you want to tell us a bit about the farm um, and why you went organic, when you went organic, and just outline the system? Uh, right. Um, well, the farm's about 430 hectares. Uh, and we converted to organic uh, uh, in 2006. Um, <coughs> the we've been farming here since uh, 1989, um, and uh, took over the farm from my wife's parents. Um, the uh, farm today is a, a, a mixed farm. Um, and we run a herd of 70 suckler cows, 400 breeding ewes, and grow about 120 acres of arable uh, crops. Um, the farm is about a, th- about a third of the farm is uh, uh, down to trees and conservation areas now. Um, so we we actually farm about 800 acres. Sorry, about 800 acres, about uh, 200 hectares. I'm Lorna McPherson, I'm a dairy consultant with SAC, uh, so I very much specialise in nutritional management of uh, dairy herds, but my background is in the livestock feed industry, so I've done quite a bit of work in the past with uh, suckler cows and uh, sheep as well, and and rationing for, for cattle and sheep. So I thought I would just speak through the quality of the silage that um, we've got here at Knock Farm this year. Uh, there was one big cut of first cut silage done just at the end of June, early July. And um, it's been a great grass growing year and I'm sure pits are full. There's plenty of silage around, but um, the silage is unfortunately very wet this year. Uh, the two pits of first cut are coming in about 19 and 20% dry matter. So there may seem like there's a lot of forage and pits are full, but it could be surprising just how quickly the stock will go through that silage and certainly maybe doing a, a forage budget is worth thinking about for farmers that do have very wet silages this year. Um, one of the downsides with wet silages is that they do tend to be a bit more acidic. They do have higher levels of volatile fatty acids, which is your less desirable acids, such as uh, butyric and acetic, which are not quite as palatable as lactic acid, which is quite low in the analysis. Um, wet silages also tend to be fairly low in sugar. So the downside is that the intake potential is a wee bit on the low side. Uh, and so, as I say, palatability and intakes are maybe a wee bit reduced with wetter silages. So how, how would you manage that, particularly the, the higher acid uh loading how would you manage that well to be fair there's probably not a lot you can really do about it and certainly for the suckler cows it's not really going to be too much of an issue Um, obviously give them a wee bit of straw as well uh, will maybe just help uh, rumen function and rumination I'm thinking more about finishing cattle though um, especially if they're going to be pushed on quite a lot of barley uh, in a more intensive system then it's just making sure that we're not overdoing uh, acidity levels and maybe things again like adding in a wee bit of chopped straw um, or or maybe even using a rumen buffer might be something to think about. But coming back to the quality of the silage and the energy levels uh, they're on the low side this year around about 10% or sorry 10 ME and the average energy 
energy content of silages that have gone through our labs this year for beef and sheep silages has been about 11 uh, ME. Um, so they're on the low side for energy uh, and also for protein as well. The protein content uh, is sitting around about 9 and 10% in the two pits uh, as well. So um, just something to be aware of uh, for feeding suckler cows, uh, dry cows over the winter. Ideally, we're usually looking for a minimum protein level in the diet of 9%. So if we're going to be adding in a wee bit of straw into that silage, it will reduce the protein level. So we just want to make sure it's not too low that it can affect rumen function. Okay, okay. Uh, is that something you're concerned about this year, Roger? The oh, undoubtedly. I think yeah. the, um, uh, it's interesting to see uh, what the analysis has come up with because that's as poor silage as we've made for a long time. Uh, normally our proteins are reasonably high, up around 12%. Without that information, we w would have gloried on um, expecting the animals to perform as they always have. Yeah, very um, important, the forage analysis. Yes, yep. It's, it's interesting to know that now. Um, what do you... Sorry, sorry. With the, the calves, do you, what, what stage do you sell them at? Do you have growing stock on the, on the farm over the winter? or All, all the stock uh, off the farm are sold uh, finished for slaughter. Um, so th they will be. We we would have a third of the a third of the cattle are, are basically finishing cattle, a third of them are growing cattle, and a third of them are cows. Um, so we, at any point in time, we have about two hundred cattle on the farm, um, okay. and seventy or so of them will be um, finishing cattle this year. Okay. So what kind of ages are you aiming to finish your cattle at? We usually finish it at uh, between twenty and twenty-four months. Um, the, the bigger, bigger of the stocks probably go on to uh, 28 months, um, but they're all Aberdeen Angus Cross, um, and uh, it's usually not a problem to finish them uh, around about two years. Yeah, you find the Angus are quite easy, easy fleshed once they've yes. not not too big framed. Or? Well, size size is becoming a problem. Last year we were penalised for about five steers yeah. uh, going over the weight and the weights um, have been reduced further this year mm -hmm. um, so it's certainly something we're, we're yeah. having to watch um, but we're trying to get them finished now four carcasses at uh, 400 kilos or less um, so I think that will speed up the the finishing process yeah, uh, further. I think depending on where your cattle are going as well, some processors are talking about reducing uh, the the dead weights to 380 as of the beginning of October. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whether that's something everyone's aware of, but it's something to bear in mind. Certainly, yeah. if you do have bigger cattle or you're used to taking them to, to higher dead weights, 380. Could be a for some people. Yeah. yeah. As particularly the last few years, I think some Anguses have kind of been breeding for size, maybe, and you're seeing people think of the Angus as a small native breed. But it is getting bigger. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, indeed, we um, we were a cemental herd, um, and uh, about five years ago, we, used, we sorry, we we used to we were a cemental herd, but we used to use the Aberdeen Angus on the young cattle, the heifers and and second calves, um, and our last cemental bull uh, finished about four or five years ago and we've just replaced them with an Aberdeen Angus each time but the cows are still retaining the size yeah. um, and uh, uh, certainly the Aberdeen Angus cattle are, are much bigger than they were uh, even ten years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what kind of rations do you have your growing and finishing stock on? We operate a pretty simple system. Um, we, we don't use a TMR, uh, we use a forage wagon uh, 
uh, to feed uh, the cattle. Um, so they are fed on silage, barley and straw um, and we f f feed it in a fairly traditional way by uh, giving them barley uh, first thing in the morning and, um, uh, and then f uh, fill up the troughs with silage and the ad lib straw in front of them the whole time. Okay. We tend not to use minerals and we never use supplementary protein. Okay. Um, until this year, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in light of that footage analysis, yeah. What's your reason for not using minerals? I've seen all the figures, I've listened to all the salesmen, and to be honest, our cattle are finishing at 24 months, they are finishing at reasonable grades, um, and they're finishing with reasonable silage, and I don't see what adding minerals to their diet will uh, would be why it would be justified yeah i can understand it's maybe a hard one to justify if you feel like your stock are performing well you're getting them to finish when you want and you're not getting any particular health problems at all but there certainly is a lot of research to show that maybe supplementary minerals can help improve feed conversion efficiency and live weight gains maybe in the region of 10 to 15 percent and that's been done with growing cattle out at grass during the summer and i think it's it's quite well known um, that trace elements, particular trace elements in grass and silage will be a wee bit below probably what requirements would be. But you're right, it's maybe hard to justify unless you've seen a particular problem or you've noticed a particular deficiency affecting performance. We, ha we have done a grass uh, mineral analysis in the past uh, and maybe because we're organic it's, it's perhaps not um, such a problem, but the uh, appreciate the figures, the, the experiments uh, that are done come up with uh, a situation, uh, come up with those results for certain situations. But the, the experiment's never been done in my on our farm, um, and I don't know that our mineral um, uh, deficiencies are, are perhaps the same as everybody else's. So I'm a, a wee bit sceptical about th these results. Do you, do you think an organic grass, which is maybe growing slower, will be a better mineral uptake on the soil, do you think, Lorna? Or? I suppose it's possible that there's actually maybe less minerals being taken out of the ground, whether it's your grass or whether it's your, your crops, because they're maybe not being pushed as hard, you're not getting uh, as, as big yields, so potentially there's maybe less mm. uh, uptake from the ground. That's maybe a question for a soil scientist, to be fair, but just, just yeah. thinking. Um, we, we, we don't actually... We do, we do use minerals with the cows. Um, I'm perhaps not uh, as re religious in giving them the minerals as I should be, and it's a long time since we've lost a cow with staggers. Yeah. So um, I, know, I, I, I'm, I know some years are worse than others, and this may be a year when it is, it is worse, but uh, um, I think every farm is different, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and every year is different as well. So. Absolutely. Um, the weather conditions can have a big effect on the risk of staggers as well, particularly coming into the autumn and September, October. If there's a lot of cold, very wet, windy weather as well, then that can certainly increase mm -hmm. increase the risk yeah. and distress on the cows. This, this is something came up at our meeting yesterday, actually. Um, would you consider blood testing the cattle to assess their mineral status? Is that something you have much experience with, or do you um, see people do it? Or? 
think it's quite rare in the suckler herd. It's something that's quite common practice in the dairy herd, not just to look for minerals, but also to assess the energy status, maybe how much fat uh, or body mobilisation there is in early lactation, which is more of an issue with the dairy as opposed to the suckler cow, but also to look at protein status to make sure that protein supply is adequate. I do know some uh, suckler farmers that they are now starting to metabolic profile and do blood tests on their cows mostly pre-calving not so much post-calving but it can certainly give a good indicator of the nutritional status mm. of the animal and how well uh, they're being fed and look at minerals as well yeah occasionally when we've had problems with um uh, post-calving in particular with calves uh, perhaps lacking um, vigor um, we've wondered if we're suffering from lack of minerals and we have blood tested on probably two or three occasions okay. um and uh Generally, it's come back with not not been the problem. One year it was, but generally, I would say it's not. It hasn't been the problem. It's okay. been some other problems. One of the uh, constraints with organic farming is that uh, with your mineral supplementation, you're not allowed to include vitamins like vitamins A, D, and E because they're they're manufactured. They're not sort of naturally occurring. Um, nutrients uh, and so when you talk about calf vigor if you get calves that are maybe born weak or not much vigor it can sometimes be down to a lack of vitamin e selenium is a big one as well for calf vigor but selenium works very closely with vitamin e as well and potentially a lack of vitamin e could be a problem in organic systems where you're not allowed to supplement the cows with vitamin e mm-hmm. we, we again we have uh we do occasionally get um, a derogation to to add those minerals, those vitamins into the into the minerals, um, and probably in those particular years it has it has helped. Um, but uh, we didn't put them in last year, um, and we had no problems. So whether it was the the diet, the the quality of the silage last year or what, I don't know. Yeah. So it's. I don't know. Every, every year is different. I suppose. I suppose what we should do is, t- is test the animals each year yeah. to, to see whether there's a, going to be a lack of. Yeah, or, or test a few. It, it's all struck me as the best way. You can test the, the feed for minerals, and you can test the ground for the mineral status. But the, the best of the lot would be to actually test the cow and see what they're taking in. To test the blood. Yeah, test right. the blood. Yeah. Absolutely. But I would certainly say as well, doing a an analysis either on your grass or your grass silage will be more accurate for what your animals are actually getting compared to what's in the soil because what's in the soil can be very different to the proportions of elements within the grass so soil pH uh, temperature will all affect how well mineral elements are taken up by the plant Um, so suckler cow nutrition going into the winter uh, you know body condition of cows is one of the key factors that will influence you know calving performance and subsequent fertility so getting condition right is really important for productivity of the herd we've had a really good summer there's been plenty of grass and it's maybe fair to say that cows are going to be in pretty good condition going into the winter is this something you've noticed and do you tend to look at condition scoring your cows before they're housed or at housing to try and feed them accordingly over the winter well, we're forever checking the condition of the animals, um, but uh, uh, and we would um, separate any animals that are suffering um, when it comes to penning the animals up at, at winter time. Um, 
our system of of uh, cattle of suckler cow management is that we we calve uh, primarily in March April. Uh, we weaned the calves last week, um, and the cows have now gone down into a large area of rough grazing um, until perhaps the end of October. Um, so they have about 100 acres for 50 or 60 cows, um, and. Uh, uh, that will that generally sorts out their condition. Um, so they're over 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 fat if, as they've come off the grass. Um, by the end of the time they come off the uh, rough grazings, they're usually in in um, good condition for for housing. Um, but if anything comes off the off the rough grazing that's too thin, we will we will supplement uh, feed to it. Um, once the cows come inside, we then. F uh, they then go on to silage, uh, restricted silage and ad-lib straw um, and as they approach calving uh, we will increase the quantity of silage uh, that they have available to them. Uh, with the bulk of silage we have this year it may well be that we can start to increase that sooner um, and uh, particularly if the quality is low then we'll, we'll probably have to do that. How, how are you going about restricting that silage? Just the quantity of silage that they get for the in in the morning. You just put out every day then. Yes, yes. they get silage every every morning. They're fed uh, with silage, and uh, it's usually finished before lunchtime. Okay, and then they've got straw to eat. And they've straw the in front of, of them all the time. To, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. So given the fact that hopefully your uh, cows are going to be coming off the, the rough grazing in the sort of a target condition score of maybe around about three or certainly no more than three, yes. and we're really just looking to maintain condition over the winter, um, I mean, they can't afford to have a little bit of weight loss. So we wouldn't want them to be calving at any less than two and a half, somewhere between two and a half to three. Um, certainly given the energy levels in the silage this year, around about 10 ME, I would say that you're probably not going to need much straw at all to really just maintain them. So requirements four to five months before calving, you know, for the developing fetus are, are relatively low. So they really just need to be on a very much a maintenance ration. But because of the low energy of the silage, I would have estimated only about one to two kilos of straw that you would need with the quality of silage you've got. Um, and I know you, you mentioned about reducing the straw and increasing the silage after Christmas to give them a little bit more energy in the run-up to calving. Again, based on the quality of the silage this year, I would have suggested about two months before calving, which is when uh, energy requirements do start to significantly increase with the, the growing calf. Um, you'd probably be looking to need to feed your silage ad lib in the last couple of months just to make sure that we're close to meeting energy requirements in the run-up to calving. So I think there would be very little straw required there at all. Right. If, if the straw is in front of them, Lorna, how much do you think a cow will eat if they've got ad lib silage and ad lib straw? Will they eat much straw? Or? Um, if the silage is ad lib and it's good and it's good, it's palatable, uh, sweet silage, then I would imagine they would tend to favour that much more over the straw. Going by the analysis of the silage, and I don't think the palatability would be quite as good as it could have been with a drier silage, then it's possible that uh, the intakes of the silage might not be quite as good, and so they might, they might go for the straw yeah. a wee bit more. So uh, some sort of cow might favour the straw almost when it's to their detriment. If, uh, quite possibly, and the silage is quite acidic uh, as well. 
this year it's got quite a high potential acid loading so you know cows will probably select what they want to select that you know you know, if they're feeling like they're getting quite a bit of, you know, acidic silage, they might want to go for the straw a wee bit. Just, yeah. it just might just help them feel that wee bit better. Just might help rumen function a wee bit yeah. better. So, I would have thought easily the cows could be eating up to maybe four or five kilos of straw. Is it? Is this a year when a, a, a buffer, uh, an acidic buffer, would be worth considering? I don't think it'll be so much of an issue really for, for the breeding stock. It would be more your finishing stock if they're getting a bit of barley as well. And it's something you would maybe judge just depending on uh, what the muck's like. If it's quite loose or if you're seeing maybe undigested forage or grain coming through, that might be a sign that there's a bit of a acidosis issue there. But I don't think you're necessarily going to notice that too much in the cows. Where the straw is going to be a benefit with the wet silage is just keeping, just keeping the beds dry because the muck's going to be quite loose. Right. The straw will just help slow the passage rate down of the silage through the gut and it'll just help keep the muck a wee bit drier as well, which in turn will just keep the environment a bit drier for the cows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's not a lot of feeding value in straw. I don't know if there's any buffers that uh, organic farmers can use anyway. I'm, do you know, Lauren? I'm sure. Off yeah. the top of my head, no, but I think there probably, I'm sure there will be some out there. Because there's quite a lot of buffers that are based on calcified seaweed, which is a natural product. So it maybe depends what else has been added into those buffers. But I've got a feeling that there will be options out there for organic buffers if you thought that might be an issue, particularly for finishing stock, depending on how much barley you're going to put in front of them. Post-calving, Jason, do you want to tell us a little bit of what you feed post-calving? Well, post-calving, we we carry on with basically the same uh, diet. uh, but we will supplement it after a couple of weeks of calving with a small amount of barley, mm. normally a couple of pounds, about a kilo of barley a day, uh, as they um, as the lactation moves on. Um, but we start calving in March, so probably um, we g- generally finished by um, the first week of May, um, and uh, so probably half the cows are are getting uh, three or four weeks of barley uh, before they go out to grass in the middle of May. Okay. Is that all homegrown barley, is it? It's all homegrown. Everything is homegrown. Um, uh, The only supplements we buy in are uh, minerals when we buy them, and um, uh, occasionally we'll buy in proprietary um, organic feeds for the sheep, Um, but uh, we didn't buy much last year. Okay. Do you want to talk about the post-calving nutrition, Lauren? Yeah, so you mentioned feeding about a kilo of barley to the cows um, uh, after calving. Um, and, and certainly energy requirements post-calving are significantly higher than in the pre-calving stage. Normally, I would like to ration suckler cows for energy for supporting at least 8, if not 10, litres of milk, really to make sure that they're not going to lose condition because we also maybe. Uh, if they've calved and condition score two and a half, we maybe just want to get them up a wee bit before they go back to the bull as well. You know, it's something that's going to help um, get them cycling earlier uh, if we if we have the energy levels maintained after calving and that they don't lose too much condition. So again, going back to the silage quality here of 10 me, I would have said probably a kilo of barley is just a wee bit on the light side really to try and maintain condition, if not maybe just increase it slightly. And I would have thought a minimum of two kilos would have been necessary as well okay. but again it's something you can judge according to condition yes but i suppose yeah. if 
try and get the cows milking well it's going to help support good calf growth rates as well and that's when the calves are going to be most efficient at converting it into growth so we want to look yeah. after them as well as the cows early on we certainly want to get get them cycling uh, you know otherwise our calving index will, will fall back uh, and, and that's important to keep that as much as, as close as we can to 360 odd days yeah absolutely so. if uh, if you did increase the barley would you have to increase the protein to balance that that's a good question and again going with the silage analysis as well this year um, being round about 10% protein uh, for lactating suckler cows I would certainly be looking for a minimum 11 if not 12% protein on a dry matter basis so you could argue that they're maybe just needing a little bit of protein there whether it was maybe half a kilo of soya or you could maybe you know you grow beet uh, peas and, and beans maybe your 50-50 mix of barley and, and peas uh, you know, just a couple of kilos would be would just help boost the protein level a wee bit. Might just help the cows milk that wee bit better as well. Right, right. Well, we would have that uh, feed on hand, so we can probably do that. John, tell us a little bit about your experience of growing the growing the barley and peas mixed to combine. Well, we've um, grown barley and peas as a mixture uh, for. Um, well, certainly ever since we went organic, and we u- it usually fits into the rotation. Uh, with the under-sown crops that are um, in the third year of the rotation. So we grow, in, a rotation is basically barley, barley, barley and peas, and then down to grass for four or five years. Um, so the, the barley, peas in that rotation, um, we usually take for silage as an arable silage and let the grass come away after that. But occasionally we would combine it uh, with, re- with varying degrees of success. But this last two years we've grown uh, crops um, uh, w- which were intended to combine. Um, so there's been no grass under, under sown with them. Um, and last year we grew four acres um, and uh, harvested about 12 tonne of barley off it. So I was really pleased with that. Or 10 tonne of barley off it, sorry. Or barley and peas. Um, and uh, this year we grew 12 acres uh, and uh, we have struggled to uh, um, to keep it up and uh, we have, it's yielded about 15 about 15 ton to the acre so just a, it's just been a disastrous harvest for us this year but we did manage to salvage about 15 ton of peas and barley off it which will be enough to feed feed the sheep and probably still leave five or six ton to supplement to the cows if we need to okay I mean, it's been a challenging harvest for people. For barley has been going down as well, so that's mm-hmm. maybe, you know, not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's quite a good feed, Lorna. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. If you've got a, you know, a 50-50 mix of peas and barley, that works out about an 18% protein feed, which would certainly be generous enough for uh, creep feeding wean calves or feeding your ewes in the run-up to lambing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good high-protein, high-energy feed. Yeah potentially higher energy than a bought-in um, nut as well, would you say? Uh, potentially, but a lot of good quality compound feeds will be in the region of 12.5 to 13 yeah. ME as well, so it'll be there or thereabouts, yeah. Okay. Okay. It certainly worked well last year uh, with the ewes. It's all we fed to the ewes right up to lambing, um, uh, and then we went on to proprietary feed as they went out to the field, just for the convenience of it. But... Um, uh, in the in the run up to lambing, they they were just getting peas and barley. A little bit of soya supplemented, uh, as in the last uh, two weeks of 
um, gestation. Okay. Um, do you want to just outline your sheep system, what breed and uh, how you manage them? Right. Um, <coughs> the, both the cattle and the sheep have been um, pretty well closed since 1996, the flock and the herd. Um, we haven't bought in any cattle since 1996 apart from bulls. Um, we, um, we run a flock of uh, 400 ewes. Um, of which about 150 are black faces and they breed um, mules uh, for so it's about 250 mules <coughs> the black faces the black face ewe lambs actually come from one supplier every year um, a, a farmer in the borders uh, sorry a farmer in, in West Lothian um, and uh, he he just sends me up 45 ewe lambs every year and he has a closed flock so Effectively, the, f the flock is is pretty well closed. Um, so we uh, put put the blackface flock to the blueface Leicester, and the um, uh, mule flock uh, is is topped by Suffolk and and Beltex cross Charolais. Okay. Um, did you finish all the lambs on farm? All the lambs are finished. Um, we're about. Uh, had a particularly good lambing this year. We, we lambed on uh, the, the number of lambs weaned to the number of ewes tupped was about 170%, so we were delighted with it this year. Mm -hmm. um, and about uh, just over half those lambs are now, are now away. Mm -hmm. uh, we're lambing the um, last couple of days of March through to the last week of April. Okay. So they're generally finished off grass, the lambs? They're, they're pretty well all finished off all grass. Finished yep. off grass. Mm -hmm. okay. Sometimes we'll grow rape, but we haven't we haven't any this year. But we've lots of um, red clover aftermaths and things like that to finish yeah. them on if we need to. Yeah, so yeah very high quality feed, feed for yep. young lambs. Yep, works well. Do you want to add anything about the sheep floor now? Um, no, not at all. But when you just mentioned red clover, the only thing I thought about was yeah, great for finishing lambs, but it's just always something to be uh, wary of and not have breeding ewes on red clover for at least six weeks before and six weeks after tupping, uh, because red clover does have oestrogen-like properties and it can interfere with fertility. The Scottish Farming Advisory Service provides a telephone advice line which you can call for free advice. The number is 